everyone. Welcome to the Five Beer Clan. I'm Brian, and this is the ongoing saga of an everyman's ale trail. In this episode, I'll stick it to the breweries, talk beer with Paula Valbuena from Pulpo Brewing Company in the conclusion of our conversation, and review a big, bold winter beer favorite from Big Lakes Brewing. In this segment of Tales from the Trail, it's all about sticker swag and ideas on how to display them. I am always looking for brewery swag to bring back from all the places I visited across the country. Aside from tasting as many unique beers as I can, I also collect stickers. Stickers tend to be a pretty common souvenir from breweries. In the course of my personal ale trail, there are very few that don't have stickers, let alone a handful of variants. The rare exceptions tend to be new breweries or ones where they just haven't had a chance to replenish their stock. Because of this, even the everyman thought it was a great promotional idea and started sharing stickers with breweries and fellow travelers on the ale trail during the second season of the podcast. I want to give a big shout out to Sticky Brand, where I buy all of my stickers. Most breweries have a wall or cooler door where they display stickers from other breweries and organizations. I've put more than a few stickers in such places. And if you're listening today, there is a good chance that you may even have one displayed proudly somewhere. So what do you do with all those stickers? Well, currently, most of mine are in a box. I've been collecting them for the better part of five years, so that's where they'll stay until I figure out what I really want to do with them. That being said, I have seen some pretty creative and cool ideas over the years. For example, if you've got a dedicated beer fridge or a kegerator, you could decorate it with your favorites. It looks pretty cool and can be a great conversation piece in your personal beer cave. The only downside of this is that when the fridge has aged and cooled its last beer, you lose all that adornment. To that end, here's a new wrinkle to adding stickers to your beer fridge. Buy thin sheets of magnets and then affix your stickers to them. Take it a step further using scissors or an X-Acto knife and cut the magnet to a more precise shape for the sticker. This way, you keep the stickers for a lot longer and can move them around from your old fridge to your new fridge. You could also purchase poster frames and then use double-sided tape, poster putty, or even affix the stickers directly to the mounting board to make a craft collage. I've even seen stickers displayed in multiple frames and assembled according to state, town, color, or even shape. The possibilities are endless for your customized wall decor. For a conversational piece, during meals, cards, or games, stick them to a tabletop. I've even seen several variants of this, covering the top in stickers and then pouring on a clear coat of epoxy. You could even spray on a clear coat or two of sealant. Just remember to apply a few light coats to ensure that the stickers don't bubble up. Or maybe just go with the stick it and forget it method. Or maybe you're just stuck on brew and want to get crazy and set aside an entire wall of the basement for your collection. Just make sure that you're never selling your home. Otherwise, you might need to do some serious remediation before you have to leave. Another option if it fits your lifestyle is to slap your favorite stickers on your ride. It could be a board, bike, boat, or even a beer mobile. Decorate it however you would like. Let it be an empty canvas to let the world know that you are a carrier of the craft beer torch. Or you could go with the baseball card method, where you have binders full of cards that are placed inside those little vinyl sleeves. In that way, you could keep them, or rearrange them, 
and display them without ever having to worry about losing them. Breweries also have stickers from other places proudly displayed in a wide variety of locations. Besides the walk-in cooler doors, I've seen stickers on support posts, brewing equipment such as grain mills, fermenters, or bright tanks, stuck on bar seats or mini clipboards where your check is delivered, affixed to bathroom walls, doors, and paper towel dispensers. I have even stuck a couple of stickers on exposed sheet metal HVAC pipes as well. One thing I will mention here before I close. Please be respectful of where you're showing your favorite brewery or podcaster love by slapping a sticker in a public place or even on a previously unsullied surface in a brewery. The location where you're doing so may simply not want that kind of vibe in their venue. In many places, stickering public places is illegal and treated as graffiti. If the sticker can come off easily, it will be treated as littering. If it doesn't and more effort is required to remove it, any damage inflicted could be considered vandalism. This could be punishable by a fine or even jail time if you're unlucky. It's always best to ask permission and be a responsible craft beer consumer. In this segment of Homebrew Hijinks, it's time to pitch the yeast. While I was waiting for the Whirlpool timer, I took the opportunity to sanitize my glass carboy, scissors, and yeast pack. This part of the process is pretty important. We want a clean environment for the yeast to do their work in. Once the whirlpool was done, it was time to chill the wort and get it into the fermenter. I prepared my ice bath in the sink and placed my covered kettle in it. I did drain some of the water from the sink partway through and then added more ice. I swirled the kettle around periodically to circulate the cooling wort. It took about 20 minutes in total before the temperature dropped into the 70 degree Fahrenheit range which is perfect for the yeast I'd chosen. I opened up the fermenter and carefully poured in the wort. It smelled so good and tropical. Due to the massive amount of hot matter added during the boil, it was a bit of a challenge. I did my best to minimize the transfer, but I probably lost a quart of wort in the process leaving me with about three quarts of liquid in the fermenter. I set my kettle aside and got my yeast ready. This time around, I opted for a Lalamond New England American East Coast Ale Dry Yeast, which was developed for this type of beer. I used my sanitized scissors, cut open the packet, and pitched the yeast. I then sealed up the fermenter, put on my airlock, and began cleanup. Hopefully, I would see some activity by the yeast in the next few hours. Well, next time, it's on to fermentation. Now, it's time for Barstool Banter. Listen in for the conclusion of my interview with Paula Valbuena from Pulpo Brewing Company in Willoughby, Ohio. We chat about trends in the craft industry, what her experience has been as a female business owner and being engaged with the community as a craft brewery. If you are anywhere near the greater Cleveland area, be sure to stop in to check out their beer and scratch food at either their Crocker or Willoughby locations. And as always, let them know the Everyman sent you. So one of the other things that I was going to ask you about, you mentioned up front, you know, you're female owned, uh, you're Latin. I'm always analyzing the trends in the industry. And clearly I'm a white male beer drinking guy. And I know that historically in the craft industry, it's male dominated. And I see those trends changing, but I also see that it's kind of staying steady at maybe 10, 11, 12% of breweries are, you know, have women that are involved in the brewing. And maybe I think it's like a three to one ratio for the ownership of the, you know, the, the breweries as well. 
what has your experience been breaking into that the craft scene with that respect have you found it very difficult to be honest no good I haven't but i i also come from a very male-dominated industry i'm a chemical engineer here i work for pepsi cola and it's very male-dominated industry but on pepsi cola i got the knowledge or it helped me go and work through those type of environments i mm. help, i learn a lot from that so i don't think the the beer industry has been difficult to go in actually i think there are so many opportunities but I don't think people know enough. So I think if people will consider this like a, their future career, they will be looking more into this. Of course, I had to quit that job stability and that always as a female and as a Latin, that always stops you. You know, you have to yeah. think about family, about uh, what are you going to do? How are you going to bring, bring some money on the house? But I think I... I made a decision like I, this is something that I want to do and I I want to go with it. I mean, you don't stop yourself and I don't find it difficult because I have found a lot of females on this industry that has welcomed me very openly. You know, they are very open to share their experience. They are open to share the issues that are running, going through. And I can say that it has been difficult. If I say that it has been difficult, no, I, I can't say it because it has been very welcoming for me. Also, I, the Pink the Pink Book Society has been very welcoming, always trying to gather us together. And I think if people doesn't know more, it's because there is no, maybe enough information out there. But I do my best. Like, for instance, if you see me on the side of the family, all my, all my aunts, all my, you know, my nieces or all of them are now getting more into this craft business and we have some some of our kids like thinking hi can i work with you or can i do this or can i do that not only girls or females also like all of the younger generations can we do this with you this looks fun let's do it and and i do everything i i do sanitation i i try to make them look that you can do anything you know it's not only because you're a female, you cannot leave a keg. I cannot leave a half, but I can leave a six. So, so But I try to to incentivize them, you know, like, hey, let's let's try this, let's go out tonight to a brewery and let's discover more beers. And but in the welcoming world, I, I haven't feel unwelcome, to be honest. Okay. And I was gonna ask you about the Pink Boot Society and whether you are a part of that there with the Cleveland chapter. So clearly you are. How often uh, do you gather together for uh, for meetings? I think they do one meeting every month. I okay. only have been on two of them, but they gather what, every month, I believe. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think they haven't done a meeting in a long time, but I have to double check mm-hmm. on that. But it's so fun. We go, we gather, and, and we go to a place. Like last time, I went with them to Great Lakes, which I love Great Lakes, and and it's it's fun. It's always fun. Do you get involved in, I think every year, the Pink Boot Society puts together a uh, collaboration beer that all the, the female breweries will, will make the same beer. Do you also participate in that? This year, we didn't. We okay. just did the ALS. We participate on that one this year. So next year, we'll be Pink Society or ALS again. We'll see. We try as, as much as we can to be involved with everything. Yeah. 
it's difficult, but that is one of the hallmarks, I think, of the craft industry is that the breweries aren't just, or the tap rooms aren't just like a place to go, you know, hang out and drink beer. You really get connected to the community and, you know, the people that come in, you, you build relationships with them. So, so you really do, you know, interface with them on a quite regular basis. So are there other things that you do as Pulpo, the company, for the community? For sure. Yesterday, actually, we went to the Lake County Women's Society. So as Pulpo, we, we donated our beer to an event and they they were trying to raise $1.2 million for women and children in need. So we participated as Pulpo and also as the restaurants. We always try to to do as much as we can, especially coming from our community, our Latin community. We also try to give back as much as we can because we are lucky, but we know that there are not too many lucky ones. For instance, the ALS, uh, my father-in-law passed away last year from ALS, and this campaign was like, yes, a, a click to us to participate in that. So we try as much as we can. And for instance, John is always spending like, okay, now this campaign is coming on. Let, let's do this or let's do that. So we are trying very hard to be involved. That's the main goal, to be involved. Yes. Well, that's that's fantastic. And I'm sorry to hear about your father-in-law. My condolences. No, thank you. It, 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 that's a very difficult very difficult disease or condition that you yeah. get in. You don't know how. Well, I know that I personally, anytime I go to a brewery and I see well, some sort of a special beer that's being given for community outreach or the ALS or whatever, I, I'm a sucker for that. I mean, I'm going to buy it, you know, no, mm-hmm. no matter what. It makes you also feel connected to the cause as well. Correct. Me too. I do the same. I do the same every time I can, yes. So chemical engineer and you don't brew beer. I'm really surprised. I know, and that's also part of the limitations that you get. First of all, I got me, I got my degree in Venezuela. So when I moved to the States in 2011, the beer industry was not something like, hey, come apply. You know, it's something more like come apply for quality or come apply here for production. So it's not, it's not out there. So that wasn't my first choice when I was applying for jobs because I didn't see one. Yeah. I, I did not. You know, if I would have seen something on Great Lakes, I would definitely apply. <laughs> but I found Pepsi. So <laughs> I got a job on Pepsi. So I think that why, like, for instance, it's limited on, on that area. And in Venezuela, I literally graduated and moved to the state with my husband. So, well, my husband was here and then he brought me over. <laughs> okay. I started home brewing this year. It's been fun. You know, playing around with the hops and playing around with the different malts and doing adjuncts and dry hopping. The big thing, as you know, is sanitation. Cleanliness is like, you know, 90% of the problem. If you can't keep things clean, you're in trouble. Correct. 90% is cleaning. 10% is brewing. Uh, 5% is brewing. 5% is drinking. (laughs) Might be more like 8% drinking, 2% brewing. It's a little bit different. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But we are always cleaning. And that's part of, that's the big part of homebrewing too. Like sometimes the equipment, when I got the location at Willoughby, I told my husband, okay, so he's like, don't ever brew again at home. You have all that equipment. Everything is controlled and everything. I'm like, yeah, but then you miss it. You know, you kind of, I, I love cooking myself. So you kind of are restraining yourself because you have a big equipment. I love, you know, the waiting time, like how, how's it going to taste or I'm going to love it. And then that 
okay, try this to a friend or try what I did to another friend. So that that's the beauty about homebrewing. Yeah. And I love the chemistry behind it. You know, you have to be very methodical too, you know, making sure you're hitting your temperatures and making sure you're hitting your volumes, your gravities. And, and that's one of the things that I'm trying to dial in myself is on a one gallon scale, how can I dial these things in and, and get good tasting beer? And I'd say, you know, out of the six batches I've had so far, I'd say five out of the six were pretty decent. Nice. The things you learn. You just have to do it because then you don't know. <laughs> right. Yakima Chief Hops had, you know, some sales on their hops. And so I bought a, a bunch of different hops. So I'm pretty excited. I'm looking ahead to the next six months and I've got some things I'm planning. So we'll see how it all plays out. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. You can enjoy your Christmas time off with doing something fun. Yeah, exactly. And it is fun. And I think even you mentioned cooking, uh, you know, your family clearly has that as a background as well. I love to cook as well. And I think that if you can cook and follow a recipe, I think you can brew as well. It's, it's really not that hard. The hard part is, as I said, the sanitation portion of it. Mm-hmm. Sanitation and making sure your yeast is happy. And that's it. Right. We're really fortunate in this era of the homebrew craft industry to have such great fresh ingredients available mm-hmm. to us at pretty much anywhere we want. Correct. And technology has been advancing on that too. Mm. So the multiple strings that you can find, the multiple useful tools that you can use in the brewery is amazing. John is actually a mechanical engineer and that's a key to success because the brewery itself, as you said, is only like five to eight percent brewing and everything else is efficiency or how to control everything. So that has been a great addition to our success formula. Yeah. So let me ask you, since you're close to the lake, do you treat your water or do you like to use reverse osmosis or do you add minerals? Consistency is a big problem, especially when you get into large and larger batches of beer. So do you find that being an issue there with Pupo? No, actually. We do water testing every three months. And what we do is we balance pH with the normal salts. And it has it's very constant by where we are these same values in all year round so it has been a blessing to be over here on this we just filter the water and that's it okay that's nice that you have a good source there very very constant source from my country like we always had to treat water for everything but over Mm. here and in pepsi that side of the town they treated the water as well for some products but we have been very constant on our source So do you have any new and exciting beer releases coming up here for the next few months? Yes. Well, we have the barley wine coming up. We just released our holiday ale that is Take It Easy, the Coquito Ale. We are using also a lot of the infusion kegs and doing crazy stuff over there. Like we did, um, they call it the Beso del Diablo. We did some spiciness with home grow peppers and they were awesome actually and we did some fun stuff with that and we are doing coconut limonada which is like a mojito kind of beer and we're using the infusion cake to do crazy stuff at the moment when we don't have a space and that's what's coming up again clearly you like to drink beer so what what is your favorite style of beer I know. I always, I don't know. And when people ask me that, it's always the freshest one. So for instance, since I have the capability of being at the brewery or at the taproom, my favorite beer is the freshest one on tap. I love all of them. If there is a style that I'm less lead to drink is sour, 
but we have tried so many sours that are so good that I am also like I like them. So I don't I don't know if I have a favorite, but I will say the freshest one is my favorite, and that's the one that if you come over and you tell me what should I drink, I'll tell you what is the freshest one, and you will be drinking that. That's how, how I go now. I like that answer. And, you know, honestly, I never really thought about that because you have right from the source, you have beer that's coming right out of the tanks and into the tap and it is fresh and good. I'm sure. Exactly. It's like very hard to choose. It's very hard for me <laughs> right now. I'm drinking Coquito. I'm drinking Take It Easy. You know, it's like, Oh, let me try that. Of course I change it according to the mood, but that's the that's my first one to go, which one is the freshest. So mm -hmm. I go that one. Are there any beers out there that you've always wanted to try? I don't know. I'm always on the holiday, the season for me, all the holidays, I'll try them all. Okay. I don't care. <laughs> That's the one. I, international also, I like to find out about international beers and try to see, of course, German beers and all of the European ones. I'm always attracted. If I see it, I'll probably choose one of those. You mentioned you are from Venezuela originally. Mm -hmm. What is the craft beer scene like in Venezuela? Craft beer actually is very small. Right now, of course, with the new boom of craft beer industry, it's coming along, but there are no craft breweries in Venezuela. Or if they are, they are very small. And most likely the type of beer in Venezuela is actually German beer. It, Germans came over to Venezuela and they were the ones that started the, all the big plants. So it's basically... Two big brands that we have over there with most of German style beers. And the most or the popular one is the Pilsner beer. And that's it. I mean, basically that they have been implementing some type of like German Pilsner or more hoppy ones. But at the end, the majority is like it's like in the United States, the majority will go through um, a light yeah. Pilsner. For instance, in, in Mexico, in the Mexico, they are the craft beer industry is moving up too. So every time I go there, I'm getting excited to try new things. Like, for instance, um, my husband and I and my son, we love to travel. So whenever we can, we take a little break. And we went to Jamaica once and they had the most delicious porter that you can drink on a beach. You wouldn't even think about drinking like a porter on a beach, so you don't think about it. But when you're there, you're living the experience and you're probably drinking something very fresh that, I don't know, it's lovely. I don't know. I love to go to different places and, and try everything they have. Yeah. And Puerto Rico is also big in craft beer right now. They are moving up a lot of the industry over there. I'm guessing it's because it's easier to get the material from the United States and also, they have like some amazing surprising styles over there that you won't think you may drink over there in an island, you know. Right. So it's, it's interesting how it's moving. And I'm, I'm always like my husband and I, we're always open to to see what is the market like, you know, like what do you have new or what are you selling, you know. Yeah. And I think that's another thing that uh, your Latin heritage brings in as well as, you know, these other ones we've talked about, Mexico and, and Puerto Rico and Brazil. You have maybe no preconceived notions about what beer should be, what styles, quote unquote, need to be served in the winter or the summer. You're just like, hey, I just want to make beer. I'm going to do it my Ooh. way. And there you go. And uh, and I think maybe that's something coming from different backgrounds that uh, we infuse us into the industry and that will just help further transform and, and make it even better. Oh, for sure. And getting examples like the European beers that are also 
so different or at the same time they are they're unique on their way you know it's like every every continent had their unique way like in spain too it's, it's very amazing how how beer united <laughs> unites everything you know <laughs> And the other thing, too, that I've been focusing on for this year of my podcast is I take one hop variety every month and I dive into it. And it's fascinating for me to find out that the hops that come from Germany versus the hops that come from Czechoslovakia or the U.S. or from Australia, New Zealand, they all have just slight differences that make them so unique to their regions because of the terroir in the way that they grow and, and the environment there. So I think that's another thing that makes it just super fun to be able to get hops from all over the world and try them. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's amazing. And that's also because we are located in a great country, so you can get everything from anywhere. I'm very grateful for that, like to be able to get anything that we want and try it and experiment with different flavors, different hops, different grains, everything. We try to do as much as we can local though, but we also do extra. We are using mold that is local. We're using as much as we can to support the market here. Okay, so one last fun question yeah. for you, Paula. If you were a beer, what style would you be and why? Oh my God, I read that question too, and I was so indecisive but i will say like i'm a mexican lager <laughs> i don't know i like to enjoy <laughs> okay i like the, the climate I, I like the refreshing the refreshing to bring people you know refreshingness or you know making people happy i don't know how to explain it but yeah. i will be something simple something very simple like that okay I love that answer. And honestly, just in the hour we've had together, I can really sense that about you, that you are just a happy, positive person and you just love what you do and love making other people happy. And I'm, I'm jealous. I wish that I was there having a beer in Pupo today. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we hope to see you soon, Brian. And whenever you come, text me, email me. We are always going to be there. Okay. And I hope you like it. That's every time I, every time I pour a beer, I'm like, I hope you like it. And with that hope of, I know you will like it, but I hope you say something back that you liked it. You know, like every time I pour a beer, I say that. I'm sure I will because you, you have a passion that seems pretty unbridled. So uh, I, I appreciate your time, Paula. I wish you a, a nice rest of your week and a weekend ahead. And thanks again for being on the podcast. Thank you. We will support, follow, and subscribe. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you for having us. I appreciate it. And, uh, Adios. Gracias. Bye-bye. <laughs> Have a nice weekend. Bye. Last call. It's nearly time to wrap things up. But first, one more for the road. This episode, I'm drinking Undertaking from Big Lake Brewing in Holland, Michigan. With snow in full lake effect, this beer seemed like an appropriate one to review. Okay, folks. Confession time. In my haste to get everything transferred prior to our southern tour, I never got this review transferred to my thumb drive. So once I get back to the headquarters, I'll correct this. But for now, I'm just going to leave in long-haired freaky people from Drecker Brewing as a placeholder. It's nearly time to wrap things up, but first, one more for the road. This episode, I'm drinking... Long-haired freaky people from Drecker Brewing in Fargo, North Dakota. From the brewer, Long-haired freaky people is brewed with 100% Vic Secret hops for some huge citrus, pineapple, passion fruit, and stone fruit aromas that carry right into the flavor 
until you get hit with a nice, balanced bitterness. Well, without further delay... This beer is an 8.2% ABV Imperial Double New England Hazy IPA. So I poured this out into a nice snifter glass, coming from one of my favorites, Archival Brewing. It poured a deep golden color, hazy, hazy, hazy. It's got a nice, thin, fluffy white head. Massive aroma on the nose of passion fruit, pineapple, citrus, stone fruit. It's got all that stuff on the nose. Was not expecting that to just hit me full on in the face. So appealing. And that's one of the things I think I really enjoy about the hazy IPAs. They oftentimes are very citrus forward, very fruit forward. And even though they're hoppy and not everybody likes the bitterness, they just have such a great aroma. I, I, I just have always liked citrus and tropical fruit in general. Okay, so first sip impression here. All right, so it has a lot of citrus there on the, on the front. It kind of gets tangled up in some pineapple, some other tropical fruits. And then once it leaves the back of your tongue, it becomes this bitter hop bomb. It just dries the palate. And then once it hits the back of your tongue, you get this nice balanced hop bitterness to it. So nice. Well, just like other cans of Drecker beer, this one has some great can art. It's almost psychedelic in nature. It's got someone who has long hair and is holding a staff of some sort and kind of zapping somebody off in the background. I know it's kind of weird, but it's kind of cool too. It's very Drecker. So this has a medium-bodied mouthfeel to it. It has a nice body, so it's not thin, but it's not super viscous like maybe a triple IPA. But again, that nose is just amazing. It just really floods your senses with this tropical, fruity aroma. That's just so, so good. I would agree with what was said. It has a, a nice, smooth, balanced hop bitterness to it. It does leave a little bit of a, almost a coating on the teeth, like a drying effect from the, the hops. And this is, again, this is a single hopped beer. It's single hop with Vic Secret, which is what we focused on for this particular episode. And one of the things that I talked about earlier was the fact that this is a great dual-use hop, although it's most often used in the Whirlpool or as a dry hop addition. And I would say that since it's very fruity, very citrusy, it definitely was not added too late in the kettle because it doesn't have a whole lot of earthiness to it. But boy, it's just such a just a, such a nice beer. So Drecker, I, this is not the, the first beer I've had from them. They, they do such a great job with their beers. I really like their IPAs and their formulas they've got for those. Yeah, just a nice, solid double IPA. And it is 8.2%, and I would say that this is one that, because of the bitter finish, it is not one that I would crush on necessarily. 
It is an enjoyable beer, but I can tell that it is a double IPA that's an, an imperial, uh, just based on kind of that pushback I'm almost getting from the beer as I'm drinking it. Not a bad thing, believe me. It's a very nice, solid beer. I give this one four tasters out of five on the flight board. Cheers, Drecker Brewing. If you've got a beer you'd like me to drink and describe, leave a comment below. If you're a brewer and have one in mind, direct message me on Instagram and let's see what we can do. That's all for this episode of the 5 Beer Plan. With so many podcasts out there, thanks for choosing to listen to mine. Join me next time as I cultivate another hop variety, continue my latest homebrew adventure, kick off an interesting conversation with Scott and Zach from Chapman's Brewing, and review another beer. Remember to hit the subscribe button to be notified of new episodes. I'd love to hear from you, so please follow me on Instagram, 5beerplan2022, and leave a comment to let me know what you do with your sticker swag. Be sure to support your local breweries, choose your beers wisely, and drink them responsibly. Until next time, keep walking your ale trail. Stay thirsty, my friends.